Hello, and welcome to the Flowering She Rose Budcast. My name is Anna, or for the purpose of this podcast, Anahita, Bearer of Roses. I'm here to bridge plant and human consciousness as we gather in this virtual garden and explore how plants can help us awaken our feminine essence. It's my prayer that these personal stories, transmissions, and medicine music may remind you of the sacredness of this magical life and the power that lies in your intuitive nature. Hi friends, and welcome to a special solo episode dedicated to one special plant, which is perhaps the first of a coming series of plant-inspired stories. You will notice throughout this episode that I'm alternating between storytelling, channeling, and also guiding you into a space of embodiment so that whatever energies are being transmitted can actually land on the fertile ground of your holy human body if it is for your highest good. Know that as you are going through the meditation and listening to this, we are a circle of sisters joining from different places of the world and at different times, but united by our stories of healing and reawakening our feminine sexuality. Currently in the wheel of the year, we are in between Imbolc and the spring equinox. And this is a time of year where, from the time of winter, where everything was about going inward and drawing all of our life force energy into our roots, there is regeneration happening under the soil. With the increasing rays of the sun, the earth is being reborn. And as the winter stands for the crone, the wise woman, the elder, and we are now entering the time of the year where seeds are sprouting and new life is beginning to show itself, we are transitioning to this time of the maiden. She who is awakened within the flames of the earth by the rays of the sun there is an actual dance of courtship, of eros, of lovers happening between the earth and the sun. Without neither of them would we have the beautiful growth of diverse botany that is going to explode within the next coming weeks and months here in the Northern Hemisphere. An absolute wonder. So that is why... This is the perfect time of the year to start talking about our sexuality and our life force reawakening. One of the things that I really value is personal storytelling. When I listen to podcasts, the things that usually stuck with me the most were those stories of synchronicity and mythical unfolding of a person's personal life that gave me chills and that somehow resonated with me and, and would give me hope or I would recognize myself in that. And for me, the personal is collective. And even though I might not have all the answers and I might not be out of the tunnel yet, I think it's important, as Faye Wilder, a woman I know from Instagram, says, to share from the tunnel, from within. I don't actually have an outline for today's episode. And one of the things that I'm actually working on is trading in my perfectionism 
for more aliveness and trusting that I am doing just the right thing in the moment when I open up to become a channel for whatever wants to be said and speaking to what is alive in that moment. And for this one, because I'm going to be talking about energetic processes, I also encourage you to to make this into perhaps a meditation. I just want to invite you to drop into your body with me. And allow the breath to softly make its way down, down, down and in, into your belly, into your pelvic bowl, noticing if there's any tightness and just being with it. Even if the breath doesn't feel like it's going that far into the body, just setting the intention and visualizing it. Feeling your womb or the womb space where your womb would be if you don't have a physical womb. Feeling and visualizing your cervix, your yoni, and your root gates, your lips. This area is part of our root, the root that connects us to our primordial power into the abundance grids that cover the earth. This part of our body is a place of birth and destruction, of life and death. I've done several readings where hibiscus showed up as a plant ally what I saw was how it physically placed itself inside of the yoni, the flower of the hibiscus, opening downward, creating a portal for our consciousness to descend into the underworld, the place of caves, snakes, fire, and dragons the place perhaps where our dark archetypes live, the center of the earth, dominated by the color red, and by a beat, the stomping of the feet as our wild selves dance around the fire, the fire that animates us, the fire that warms the soil, the fire that gives life. 
Who are we without connection to this fire? What would the world be without the molten core of Gaia? Where would humanity be if women didn't shed their blood month by month? Your sacred blood is holy, just as your desires are holy. There's an immense power to be regained, especially for women, by reconnecting with the earth and planting our roots just as deep as we would extend upward and into the cosmos. We have lost our primal nature and our wildness, but it can be reclaimed in the dirt, in the dark, fertile soil, in the soft moss, and in the blood that we return to the earth in ritual month by month. She is of the forest. It is in the forest that she looks up at the stars, the canopy above her, and howls at the moon. My hibiscus plant was gifted to me at my baby shower a month or so before my daughter was born. It bloomed every once in a while when the friend that gave the plant to me came to visit. A bright red that did not fit in with my apartment at all. The red color being a vibration that I no longer embraced. Even turning the backs of my books that were red the other way around so that they wouldn't clash with the cosmic colors that dominated my space. But hibiscus had been gifted to me, and I rejoiced every time she was in bloom. I spent over two years in celibacy, nearly three, and the year that I started being sexually active again, the flames of an app called Tinder brought me to a lover where passion ran strongly and there was a lot of polarity. But the heart wasn't involved. I met him around Beltane and a hot-cold relationship began that spanned over the course of several months where I often cut off contact, but the karma hadn't been played out yet. So it was in vain. And after a few months of this hot, cold relationship, my hibiscus started to not look so healthy. She had a past that was eating her leaves and leaving translucent holes some some of the holes were actual holes and other parts were 
places where the leaf had not been entirely demolished. Strange places where the light would shine through. And sometimes upon looking at her closely, I could see tiny, tiny insects. But I would remove them with soapy water and tend to her needs, ask her if she needed any rocks on her soil or um, more nutrients. And eventually, even though I couldn't spot any more caterpillars or tiny insects, she still had droopy leaves and the holes and was actually losing some of her leaves because she was so weak. They were turning yellow and dropping down. And every time she started creating a bud to flower again, it would fall off before opening. And I knew she was unwell. She was unwell long before I noticed that my Yoni wasn't well either. It wasn't until the end of of 2018 that I started noticing that my portal, my sacred portal, my Yoni, was also getting uh, slight yeast infections. The way that my body talks to me, it's always meant that the partner that I was with wasn't right for me. But I wasn't able to see that at that point. And so um, a year ago in January, I made the decision to get a copper IUD inserted. And I got very clear about my intentions around that. I decided and I knew that it wasn't for any specific partner that I was doing this. But it was in order to create space for whatever wanted to be born through me that was not a child. And the second intention was to reclaim my sexual sovereignty. After the IUD was inserted and I reunited with the aforementioned lover, there was for me a surge in in sexual energy and in liberation. But when I went back to the gynecologist two weeks later, she said that the IUD had never actually been in the correct position and that it had to be pulled. At the same time, she also diagnosed um, bacterial vaginosis. And that's when a, a long spell of healing began and another year of celibacy So by this point, I could really see how there was a correlation between the health of Mayoni and the hibiscus plant. She had been present in enough journeys and readings that I did for a friend for me to know that this was the affinity that she had, or perhaps one of the affinities in our body. And... um. After this IUD was pulled, of course, there was um, quite an imbalance and um, trauma that that was inflicted on my womb. Um, A lot heavier bleeding than I'd ever experienced for four or five cycles until it finally normalized. 
um, the bacterial vaginosis that took also several months to heal, as well as some almost dislocated ribs that caused a pain that was stronger than anything I'd ever experienced. And I actually ended up in hospital for the first time in my life. And when I looked at this entire issue with my Reiki teacher, what she saw was a connection to past lives and to vows of chastity that I had spoken, which were still lodged and programmed in my cells, making it impossible for the IUD to be accepted by my body in the first place, despite the clear intentions and, and despite my dreams actually guiding me as well. I had also inquired um, in the dream world for guidance around, around this decision. So we released those vows. Nonetheless, on the physical planes, it's take, it took many months for the violence, I'd say, that had been inflicted to, to heal. And even to this day, a year later, I have still been feeling like certain parts of my body, like my pelvic floor and my ribs have not entirely um, healed from this experience. Um, I don't have a history of sexual trauma in any way. I'm so, I've been blessed to have had only positive experiences in my life. And so I also knew that the healing that was coming up in its intensity and the intense pain was happening not just for myself but for the collective because I think that for many women, especially those with a, a temple priestess blueprint, but in general, feminine sexuality, with patriarchy and the Christian church has been suppressed. And um, karmically speaking, there are probably many women who in a past life or through their ancestral lineage have been carrying vows of suppression or of chastity, which equal the suppression of our primordial power and the suppression of our connection to the actual creative life force, our connection to the material world, to abundance, money, sex, and power, are all related. Our cervixes are actually very highly intelligent places, these gateways between life and death. And a lot is stored there. In a recent meditation, I saw our cervixes as rings of fire and I'm sending out a blessing to all of these rings to release release the cellular trauma 
stored there that no longer serves us. Throughout the past year, my hibiscus has healed. It has not a single yellow leaf, nor a single hole anymore. Its leaves are still droopy, and every period I take my pads and soak them in cold water and use that water to fertilize my houseplants, including this hibiscus. And this is a practice that um, I started doing with an apple tree that I planted on my daughter's placenta outdoors. And there are many nutrients and minerals in our sacred moon blood. And I do encourage you to, to even start relationships with your houseplants and ask them what we need, what they need. Many of my plants have stones, rocks, or crystals um, that we've brought in from outdoors on their soil, and they do need minerals. And uh, inside of a pot, the nutrients can be used up. And so some of them need some extra love, some extra fertilizer. Last spring, when I was in the middle of all of this, um, you know, this rib pain that was misdiagnosed as digestive issues, um, it kept returning kind of in cycles. So it lasted for several months and it was impacting my entire life. And in the middle of that, I was in contact with um, a sister, uh, a women's witness, and uh, yeah, a sweet sister who's also connected to Mary Magdalene and that entire lineage. And uh, she was sharing about her um, intentional year of celibacy. And when I heard her speak about it, something clicked in me and I knew that I was also headed towards a year, another year yet of celibacy or abstinence and that it wasn't necessarily intentional, but something in me knew that that's the way that it was going to play out. And that's actually what ended up being true. In a recent session that I had, my teacher saw my field filled with a red and golden energy. That primordial power, that sexual energy, that, that wealth, that color precisely that I have not been able to see in my own field and been somewhat rejecting in my own apartment. She saw it very clearly and strongly. And I, I instantly remembered what had happened a year ago after painting my nails red and golden and um, reuniting with that lover, which then was the beginning of the entire story of, of getting this copper IUD. And um, 
at this point, I, I still feel like I'm somewhere in the tunnel, not yet quite able to draw a conclusion or perhaps tell the end of this story. But this session did remind me of how important it is to claim that energy as our own in connection to the heart, which balances it all. All I can say for now is that there's collective healing happening, that by releasing these vows, by becoming aware that I even had vows, past life vows stored in my cells, that by releasing them, I'm doing this for the collective. Also, to let you know that if you resonate with this in any way, you have a similar story, feel free to reach out to me and send me an email. If this sparks something in you and you'd like to look at it more closely with me energetically and with the help of the plant spirits, then I'm also now offering one-on-one sessions via Zoom and um, flowering she readings, of course. The words that I'm hearing now is your blood matters and matters in the sense that it is connected to the word, to the actual word matter. If we want to create heaven on her earth, we cannot only see the sacred in the spiritual. The sacred is not only in the cosmic and the invisible with the Holy Father and the Spirit and the Son. There's sacredness in the Mother, in the Earth, in matter, in just the same way. The Church has, throughout many centuries, adopted a stance of suppressing our desires, and especially female sexual energy, which has not been allowed unless it's serving the husband's will. Let's remember the ancient rites, the ancient rites that existed before Roman Christianity spread around the world. When people knew that life was created only through the marriage of the sun and the earth, and where they knew to celebrate the earth maiden rising from the flames of the core of Gaia around this time of year. Eight years ago, I was studying in Russia and had no connection to the wheel of the year or pagan rituals yet, and... um, We had just arrived when some Russian students took us to the local festivities where a giant straw figure was burnt. And there were other activities going on that to me seemed kind of strange. Two giant groups of men were battling each other. 
putting on on boxing gloves and all the women were standing at the at the edge and cheering them on um and other <laughs> activities i guess for men to show their virility climbing up a high wall i think some of that was also connected to the war culture <laughs> so maybe not as pagan but i remember my friends telling me that yeah this is the time of the year where the sun returns and we make lots of blini lots of you know thin russian pancakes around this time of year because they look like they have the shape of the sun and this was still in the middle of russian winter like we still had snow in april it was still minus 10 celsius out i didn't really understand i thought it was all just very strange But now, around this time of year, I notice the change in lighting. I notice how here, at least, where I'm living in the Northern Hemisphere, there's a, shut, a, a subtle shift that has the birds singing more, that has the light take on more of more blue rays almost, and less of a hidden warm tone. Imbolca is also the time of, of visions, enlightenment. It's where we receive visions for what is going to grow in our lives throughout this year, the coming growth season. And even though in some parts of the Northern Hemisphere we can't see any signs of life stirring yet, I know this is changing with climate change in some areas. I've already seen, I think it was um, daffodils popping up, not in bloom yet, but coming out of the earth. Other places where even the first leaves will be sprouting. It's all about subtle transitions. And so the next week's Pay attention to what's stirring inside of you. The fires and the cauldron of your pelvic bowl. What is happening in your life that might be mirroring what I've spoken to around these festivities of the rebirth of the light and the fires. I'd like to close out today's space with the featured medicine song to let the energies seep in and allowing you to take your time and let everything integrate with the help of this music by a band called Holy River. Holy River is a duo that has been around for many years. They used to be called Lobo Marino. And their music carries the message of humanity's need for reconnection with itself and the earth. The song that I'm sharing with you is called Holy River. It's also been around for several years, but they released a remastered version of it a couple months ago. And so, together with Hibiscus and Holy River, I'll let you go with these words from their song, Holy River lap against the stone it's painted crimson painted gold 
Lay the wood to dry upon the rock. The fire burns. It never stops. Come on.